Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 48th episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn. I really appreciate everyone tuning in. Please help grow the podcast by sharing it on social media, telling your friends about it, and by leaving a rating or comment. Also, make sure to follow me on Twitter at It's R.A. Kuhn. That's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N. That way you won't miss out on any news about the Pulling Tart Podcast. As you know, you can listen to the Pulling Tart Podcast really wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, you know, literally everywhere that you listen to podcasts. But I did want to dive in and um, just kind of go over some of uh, the reviews that the podcast has gotten. Um, so on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a rating and review, and that really helps out with um, getting new listeners and everything, so I'd really appreciate you guys doing that if you listen on Apple Podcasts. Uh, so, so far, we have 25 ratings, and they're all five stars, which is great. Love it. Would love to get more, obviously. Um, and I just wanted to read the comments that we've gotten so far. Um, this one is titled Bobby Effin Coon, uh, and it says, I was a writer when I met Bobby in Southern Wisconsin all those years ago, and you won't meet a more genuine storyteller. I couldn't be more excited that this podcast now exists. And that was left by Babalu, and I'm pretty sure I know who this is, um, and wow, I just you know, really thankful, um, and that, you know, for the kind words and, um, yeah, that's awesome. And I, you know, hope to have you on the podcast at some point, Bob. Uh, this one is great. A uh, great insider look at minor league baseball. Uh, this was left by Paul Caputo, a friend of the program. Bobby's inside look at the less-than-glamorous game and culture of minor league baseball is always entertaining. His time in the profession gives him access to unique guests who always have fun stories to tell. Well, that part is true. I do have a lot of unique guests, and they always have fun stories to tell, which I'm super thankful for. Um, And again, thank you so much, Paul, for the kind words. Um, you can go back and listen to Paul's episode. Man, that was a good one. Had a really great time doing that one, talking about uh, the history of logos in minor league baseball and our favorite logos, of course. Um, this one was left by X2375. Uh, a deep dive into the baseball industry. Bobby is helping MILB front office staff tell their stories Minor League Baseball front office staff have to be passionate in everything they do, whether they are groundskeepers, sales managers, general managers, or even creative services workers like myself. Each staff member has a story to tell, 
and Bobby has given them a place to share their experience with the game and industry we all love so much. P.S. Listen to episode 28 on repeat. It's the best one. Winky face. So I'm pretty sure I know who that is. Uh, also, another friend of the program, clearly. Um, and he couldn't be more right, honestly. Um, there is a lot of passion behind what we do and why we do it. Um, whether, you know, whatever role you're in, in the front office. Um, and I started this podcast because I want to, I want people to have a place to tell their stories. Um, cause there are a lot of fun things that go on behind the scenes. Um, so yeah, th- that's what this is here for, to have the platform for, for people to share those experiences. So thank you again for that one. X2375. And we have one more, and this is from, pretty sure this is from Hunter Hornstein, um, because the username is Hunter Loves Run-On Sentences, um, and it's titled, Must Listen for Sports Pros. If you're an aspiring sports pro or even a veteran of the industry, you'll love this podcast. Insightful guests, laughs, memories shared, and advice given are a winning combination. Again, thank you so much, Hunter. Um, that was a great episode as well. Um, and shout out uh, to to Hunter and Austin for starting the uh, Snapbacks and Inner Brews podcast. Um, they're friends of the program, and we're, we're probably going to do a collab here at some point soon. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to read those uh, comments and uh, just encourage you guys to um, subscribe, rate, leave comments. Um, because we need we need to get these uh, stories and experiences out to other people, and uh, of course, always looking for new listeners. Of course. So, um, with that being said, I'd like to welcome on a special guest this week, Brady Ladon. Brady just recently got out of baseball, like literally within the last couple months, but has worked in marketing, promotions, and production for the Asheville Taurus, Oklahoma City Dodgers and the Trenton Thunder. Can't wait to chat with Brady Ladon right after this break. I love your response when I, I said, uh, have a drink. What is minor league baseball without a beer in hand? Hey, cheers. Cheers to that. <laughs> Brady, welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your evening and having a couple drinks with me. How's the new car and the new job? Oh, my new car is great. Please don't tell any of, like, 
the previous mascots are players that I've driven around, but this is the first car I bought where I haven't totaled my car and needed a new car, but it's the first car I bought because I wanted something different. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, that's always nice to get a new car, though, for sure. Yes, it is. And my new job is excellent. Um, I work for the Army ROTC now, and they picked me up off LinkedIn, and I just started in October, and now instead of being in charge of one minor league baseball social media account, I'm in charge of 43 different ROTC program accounts. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Little hectic, but it's been fun. It's a learning experience. This is the first time I haven't worked in minor league baseball since 2015. Okay, so something new and exciting for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of in that same boat. This is the first job I've had outside of baseball. And I was in baseball for eight years, and I've been at State Farm now for a little over a year. Um, okay. so. But yeah, new car, new job. Wow, you're moving up in the world. Trying to. And and I thought running one like team account, well, I mean, obviously multiple platforms of a team account. I thought that was more than enough. Here you are just really multitasking. Yes. The thing about the Trenton Thunder is I got to run the Thunder account, but mm-hmm. I also had the honor of running the Rookie Backdog account as well, Aww. and that was fun. You lucky dog, no pun intended. Wow. <laughs> wow, that is... I, and I feel like that's got to be a lot of fun because I follow... Is it Tur- is Turbo? Did you say Turbo? Turbo. That- I know who Turbo is. Yeah, so I follow Turbo, uh, the Bat Dog in Bowling Green, and um, I think I follow the person that the woman that that runs that account too. But I always feel like Turbo Turbo's account like really hits the spot though for sure. Like it's it's like low key like really funny. It's funny because Rookie, the bat dog, he has an account and he's friends with the other bat dog. They even have like a hockey hockey dog that he's friends with oh. and they talk back and forth on Twitter mostly, which is hilarious to me. That is so funny. Wow. And and you are like the only like the second or third person I've heard of that like got recruited off of LinkedIn. It's insane. I I had put my resume on there, and one day, you know, everyone from the Trenton Thunder got furloughed in May. Okay. And this was in September. I got a random voicemail saying, hey, we saw your LinkedIn resume, and we want to interview you for this job. Nice. And so I really lucked out, you know. I was really unsure of the future of minor league baseball, especially during this pandemic, what was going to unfold. You know, it was heartbreaking not having a 2020 season. I know. I know. I was really looking forward to, and I've said it time in and time out, like on this podcast, I was really looking forward to being a fan and going and pounding some beers at a, at some games, but that didn't work out this year. <laughs> Hey, there's always 2021. We'll make it to some minor league games for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're you're gonna become a fan too. You're gonna buy a 
Trenton Thunder uh, t- season ticket package? Well, actually, I'm still hoping to be the on-field host for the Trenton Thunder in the 2021 season. Um, You know, they're now a part of the MLB Draft League. Yeah. Which new and exciting league that is going to have these college juniors and seniors who are eligible for the draft that are going to play in this league. Uh, And instead of having 70 home games, I think there's 32, maybe 34 home games. Mm -hmm. And so that'll be a big change, not having a full summer, you know, know, those home stands that last eight days that you're just absolutely exhausted after. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I worked um, for the Williamsport Crosscutters, who are also in the draft league now, but they were already short season, so they were... 35 games i think yeah they were 35 games before um so so just they they lost their affiliation with the phillies but now they have they're kind of sort of affiliated with all the teams um you're right that's the cool thing about the draft league is you're gonna get to see these great players who are you know in college right now but who are going to get drafted and then start their own minor league baseball careers yeah yeah it's i think it's going to be pretty cool honestly um and williamsport has a very rich baseball history and i'm glad that um that's going to continue to to live on especially um so you quit college to pursue working in minor league baseball um why did you do that and how did that work out it worked out incredibly for me so i actually saw an ad in the daily oklahoman our newspaper here in oklahoma and there was a job fair with the oklahoma city dodgers and I was working in a ski shop, and as you can imagine, a ski shop in Oklahoma doesn't get a ton of business. There's no mountains to ski on here. And sure. so I thought, <laughs> why not? I absolutely love baseball. And 2015 was the year they had just transferred over from a Houston Astros affiliate to an Oklahoma City Dodgers, so the L.A. Dodgers affiliate. Oh, yeah, sure. And- rebrand of the team and something new and exciting to be a part of and so I thought I would go down to the job fair and I didn't know what I I wanted to do but I actually applied to be on the grounds crew and I was in college at the time and I was on the grounds crew just for starting out just as game day staff this was early February March um you know, getting ready for the season to start. And as the season started, I was just a game day staff, 5 p.m., come in and get the field ready for the 7 p.m. games. And then I actually started skipping my college classes so that I could work the grounds crew during the day. And so (laughs) I would come into work at like 7 a.m., and work all day long, and I was lying to my head's groundskeeper, Monty McCoy, that I didn't have class when actually I did have class. Oh. Um, That's a rough go at it, too, the grounds crew. <laughs> yes, wow. grounds crew was 
probably I've done many jobs in minor league baseball and grounds crew is still my favorite job ever. Really? Um, I don't think they get enough credit. You're you're right. They don't. Excuse me. They work all day long and, you know, people think the only thing they do is sweep the the infield between the the third and fifth innings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of one of my good friends, um, you know, it's hard to keep in touch now because he lives on the West Coast and has a baby and stuff. But um, he was he's a friend of the program too. He was on this podcast, uh, Zach Ricketts. He was the head groundskeeper in Beloit when I was there, and now he's the assistant groundskeeper for the Oakland A's. Um, oh, how fun! I know, like. Like and I and I tell people this all the time. Like he made that field look amazing with absolutely nothing. Like no budget, no equipment. Like he was, he just did it because he loved it, and it, was, and it worked out for him. Yeah, that's incredible. And the you know those is, there's only thirty MLB teams, so mm-hmm. to be the head groundskeeper or the assistant. That's sixty positions. Right, like, that's incredible feat to be able to get to that. Yeah, that look. Yeah. Um, so, do you regret uh, quitting college to pursue minor league baseball? I mean, nobody's getting rich in minor league baseball. You're right about that. I do not regret it. I knew the minute I stepped on the field at Chickasaw Bricktown Ballpark that, like. I was destined to work in minor league baseball. Um, And funny story, actually. So I worked for the grounds crew for about two and a half seasons, and I actually got fired. What? Uh, I had just turned 21, and I was going out to the bars and partying, and I was late to work every single day. And (laughs) groundskeeper, Monty McCoy, he said, hey, if you're late one more time, you will not be on my staff. And what happened, I was late one more time, and he actually fired me. And I was shocked and very, like, heartbroken. But it honestly was the best thing to ever happen to me because once he fired me, and this was in, like, late August, um, it had to have been 2017. And I was absolutely devastated that I was no longer working there, that I – it really motivated me to, like – get my life together and think like, what are you doing? You, you want this career in minor league baseball? What are you going to do about it? And so I actually tried out for the promotions team that next upcoming season in February. And they hired me to be on the entertainment and promotions team. And my career kind of went off from there. Nice. Uh, You know, I've, I've always been someone who's like very entertaining and fun and I like to have a good time. And so the entertainment team was like a great fit for me. But then one day, one of our cameramen at the Dodgers actually called in sick. And so they didn't have like a third base camera person. And so I volunteered and I said, Hey, I know how to run a camera and I know baseball. Let me try this out. And so they let me try it out and from then on, I was no longer on the entertainment team. I was now on the production crew. And I was behind the third base camera well from then on. And then 
leading into that, I got to be the replay operator, and I was up in the press box doing all of the press box things. Um, And then from there, I finally was like, you know what? I'm going to try to go to the winter meetings and see what happens and see if, even without a college degree, if maybe I can land a job somewhere. Degrees are overrated. Especially they if are. you if you already have an in, like degrees, and it does. Like I said, they don't matter because it matters about what you know, what you can prove you know, what you can fake you know, and who you know. You're absolutely right. Yeah, that, I mean, I don't. I mean, yes, I use my degree, um, especially when I was working in baseball because. I was more marketing and promotions and that and like graphic design and social media and that kind of stuff. So I was using my degree every day. But now I use my sales abilities that I learned in minor league baseball. So it all comes full circle. It does. And I would encourage anybody who's like wanting to work in baseball or any sport in general to just like you know it doesn't matter your qualifications because you learn so much on the job Mm -hmm. that you can make it work even without you know I know there's people who think oh I need an internship first or I'm not qualified for this job just apply just right you know put your out there because you never know what can happen and I am proof of that do you know how many people I've worked with um, that were at the same level as me, so getting paid the same, roughly, um, and they have a master's degree. And I'm just like, why? Why did you do that? Yeah. Why'd you put yourself in that much more debt? You know, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, like I, like I said, it does, degrees don't really matter that much. It's just a piece of paper. Now, I mean, the, the experiences you get from those four years are something else, for sure. So I would agree with that. Um, but also the real-life experience and just, you know, like me working in minor league baseball, and I just kind of worked my way up. I was learning all these different skills. I learned to be a replay operator. I had never, I had never used a three-play machine in, a, in my life. But I was. Um, Were you doing three you know, play for the online broadcast or for the video board? For the video board, but then I believe Oklahoma City got a deal with like a live broadcast. Okay. And New came in to like direct the show, and then we were like actually live on TV having to do the replay, which is a great experience for me. That's cool. Yeah, working in the press box is so much fun, and that's, you know, you get to know a lot of different people who come in and out of the press box. Oh, yeah. Both on the home and the visiting side of things as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've met a lot of cool people. Um, (laughs) And and I can't remember his name for the life of me. I met... um, a guy who's a scout and he used to be the GM of, um, of the, of Cincinnati, of the Reds. And, um, back in the, 
back in the day, and uh, he has a lot of stories to tell. Um, but yeah, that's where I spent. I have spent most of my minor league career was in the press box for sure. Yeah. Um, when I got to Delmarva, um, we had just gotten a new video board, um, so I and it was kind of too complex to, you know, teach other people like, especially like people that show up like an hour before game time. You know, so like I was the one that was making all of the uh, graphics and stuff like that for the video board. And I was the one inputting them into the video board. So it really only made sense for me to to do that. Um, But in Beloit, I was the PA announcer and the DJ all at the same time uh, for three years. (laughs) So, um, yeah, a lot of time spent in press boxes for sure. Well, and that's the beauty of minor league baseball is you get to have a hand in every single pot. You get to do, you know, everything, even if on the sales team or whatever, you get to kind of be a groundskeeper because you got to pull tarp. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) You know, minor league baseball offers you the opportunity to learn a ton of different skills that you wouldn't be able to if you had a more like specific job title right? at a major stadium or elsewhere right speaking of pulling tarp this is the pulling tarp podcast um do you have any fun tarp stories <laughs> i have two so one time we were pulling tarp and this was just like your normal like hey it's gonna rain overnight we're gonna pull the tarp uh, i was on the ground screw with oklahoma city dodgers at during this time and my phone came out of my back pocket while we were pulling the tarp. And so I had, we had already staked it down and I was thinking, where's my phone? Can someone call my phone? And of course, somewhere around second base, it was ringing. (laughs) And so I had to get on my hands and knees and crawl underneath the staked down tarp to retrieve my phone. You hate to see (laughs) it. You hate to see it. Wow. (laughs) And my other favorite tarp story. So this was in this was with the Asheville tourists in 2019, and it was Fourth of July, my favorite holiday. Everyone was looking forward to the fireworks post game, and it started pouring. And we were called on the walkie talkies for tarp, and I was clear across, like nowhere near the tarp whatsoever. And I had to sprint across the field uh, to participate in pulling the tarp. And it poured and poured. We had to cancel the 4th of July fireworks. And we had to stand on the tarp in the pouring rain. I've never been so soaked with water in my life. Um, And it it was so much fun, though. I enjoyed it. I love pulling tarp. It's one of my favorite activities in minor league baseball as much. People no. dread, you know, that 7 a.m. be at the field to pull the tarp off. I love it. No, you're lying. You can't. No. no. Nobody enjoys being at the field <laughs> at 7 a.m. to take the tarp off the field. Now, there was a point during um, quarantine, you know, quote-unquote quarantine, um, that I was like, man, you know, like... I I could go for a tarp pool right now, 
There was, no, there was like, a I point. I missed it. I'm ready to pull some tarp. Yeah, I'm. I feel like I'm a I'm a pro by now. I mean, between <laughs> yeah. between Wisconsin, um, and then Delmarva. Del Delmarva was something else. The wind was was something else uh, near the beach. Um, but man, so according to your LinkedIn page, cause I did a deep dive here, uh, you never got a chance to work a game for the Trenton Thunder. This is, this is your platform to vent Brady. How do you feel about not working any games there? And how do you feel about minor league baseball decreasing by 40 teams? Uh, Okay, my first feeling was just very disappointed. You know, I picked up my life and moved from Oklahoma City out to Trenton, New Jersey. and Nobody goes to New Jersey willingly. Right? (laughs) It's just a fact. There's terrible. There's terrible drivers there. You have to pay to go to the beach. It's it's ridiculous. Right. Oh, but I was so excited to just start my new life in New Jersey and be the promotions and social media coordinator. And really, those first three months, where everyone had to go into like their quarantine, or you know in March whenever COVID really hit strong and we all had to work from home. I was so excited about the Trenton Thunder. Uh, one, because they're a Yankees affiliate. And let me get this straight. I am not a Yankees fan whatsoever, but I was excited to work for the Yankees with the Yankees prospects, um, especially with Ricky the Bat Dog. I had never experienced a Bat Dog before. I was so excited to see him in action. You know, and then the whole COVID thing happened. And I'm very, very sad about this whole minor league baseball restructuring. Mm -hmm. Um, And this was even before I knew that the Trenton Thunder was not going to get to keep their Yankee affiliate. I was so sad in 2020 when the minor league baseball was season was finally canceled because of all the communities that that's what they do during the summer they go to the baseball games and they didn't have a chance we all knew we were being contracted at some point and that you know the minor leagues are rearranging their structure and who is going to be affiliated with what team right but i'm so sad for those fans of the teams who didn't get to have their last season of 2020. I don't know. It's, I understand uh, major league baseball wanting to restructure the minor leagues. I didn't ever really understand short season as a minor league fan. I just didn't understand what the difference between short season and rookie league really was and why they needed that extra league in there. But I'm just, I'm really especially sad for the fans and the community who didn't get to experience their last hoorah. Yeah, um, right. I'm sad for myself because, so last year in 2019, I visited 15 different minor league stadiums Ooh. because when we so happened to have an off day or the team was on the road, I you know, would go to minor league baseball games. And my coworkers thought I was crazy. Why you 
<laughs> you know, you have to work 70 games a year. Why are you using your off time to visit these new stadiums? But I love it. I love minor league baseball. And so I was really just disappointed that so many teams got contracted. Um, yeah. And, you know, that was another thing. I just moved to Trenton to work for the Thunder, and I was excited for the 2021 season and to get to come back at some point and work for the Thunder. Yeah. And then in November, we learned over Twitter, may I add, Ooh. from Baseball America and J.J. Cooper that – we lost our affiliate. Oh, I saw that on Twitter. I didn't put two and two together until right now. But uh, your reaction via the Thunder's Twitter account was pretty priceless. I'm not, like, be, because you literally found out on Twitter. On um, Twitter? That, yeah. is, that is so wild. And, and you're, and, like, of course, like, you know, you're young, you're with the times, and you're like, did we just get dumped on Twitter? Right. <laughs> and, and so, like, that was pretty funny. Um, well, that's the other thing about the, this whole minor league switch-up. You know, I listened to your episode with Zach Keller with the Somerset Patriots, and they're the team that actually is now going to be the AA affiliate of the New York Yankees. And to hear the excitement in his voice mm-hmm. about going from in the independent league to finally be affiliated with my, minor league and major league baseball – it's just bittersweet because you're excited for them that they get to like experience this, but then we're sad because now we're you know we're in the draft league and we're not technically minor league baseball anymore. Right. Um, it's just bittersweet feeling all around for one the stadiums that I won't get to visit because they're no longer an affiliate, and two. I do understand the restructuring and making travel easily accessible for minor league teams and kind of rearranging the leagues and such. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Um but yeah. I'm uh, glad glad that uh Trenton'll still be, you know, in the draft league and glad that Williamsport will still be in the draft league. Um but you know, we'll we'll see what happens um, to the to the game of baseball in the future? I I can't really support growing the game of baseball by taking it away from forty cities, um, right? So there's that, um, and then like the whole like blackout rules are ridiculous with um, televised games and whatnot as well. But we'll see how this shakes out. Um, Beloit's keeping their affiliate, but well, they got a new affiliate. Um, they're with the Miami Marlins now, and Del okay. Delmarva's staying exactly where they are. Um, still low A for um, the Orioles. Beloit's actually moving up to high A, um, which is which is strange. But but yeah, this whole realignment thing is crazy, and I'm I'm uh, interested to see how it plays out. Nonetheless, me too. We'll see this 2021 season. Yeah. So in your Twitter bio, it says that you're, does it say juggler extraordinaire or what is it? What does it say? <laughs> I forget. But exactly Sorry, how. I'm, a juggler. I'm, a, I'm juggling in 
enthusiast. <laughs> juggle, juggling enthusiast. How good of a, exactly how good of a juggler are you? Hey, I'm getting much better. I actually learned how to juggle on the baseball field at Chickasaw Burktown Ballpark. One of our, one of my fellow grounds keepers he knew how to juggle and i was like you know what i want to learn and i'm gonna learn by the end of the 2016 season how to juggle and so i actually started juggling with baseballs and i did learn by the end of the season how to juggle but then i put that skill away and i never used it again until this summer so i was furloughed uh from the trenton thunder in may and so i decided i'm I don't really know anybody here out in New Jersey. I'm just going to go home until I figure my life out. Yeah. And so I came back home to Oklahoma and my parents have a pool. And so I'd be laying out by the pool and I was bored and I was like, well, I'll just juggle for a little bit. And so then I really like picked up the juggling. And so since July, I have been juggling every single day. I've been getting better. I've finally moved on to juggling four balls instead of three. Okay. And now my new goal is to be a mid-inning performance and juggle on the top of the dugout at a minor league baseball game. Wow. That... That would be something. I I could not do it. I do not have the coordination to do that whatsoever. So I'm glad that you can figure it out, and maybe you can uh, entertain some some crowds next season. Hey, I hope so. All right. Well, we're going to take this opportunity to cut to a break, and we'll be right back with Brady Ladon right after these messages. All right, Brady, welcome back again. Thank you so much for having some brewskis with me tonight. What are you drinking? It looks like Miller Lite. I am drinking a Miller Lite. I'm a Miller Lite type of girl. Even though you lived in Asheville, the like the the craft brewery capital of the world? Hey, they call Asheville Beer City and Asheville actually has a night where they turn into the Beer City tourists for a oh, night, yeah. and they have a specialty jersey. Um, and I lived downtown in Asheville when Ooh. I was there, and I did walk to the breweries. And it's really cool that how that city is set up is all the breweries are on the same street. And so, yes, living there, I am now a craft beer fan. Oh, there you go. Yes, and I do enjoy craft beer every now and then. But if I'm not drinking craft beer, I'm drinking Miller Lite. What's your favorite kind of craft beer? I'm a big sour fan. Okay. They're pretty popular these days. Yeah, I like sours and pilsners. I'm not a huge IPA fan, although some... Uh, are starting to grow on me right i'm in that same boat i'm not a huge ipa guy either 
Um, but yeah, pilsners, ales, lagers, sours. I all I all like. Um, I'm usually not a big fan of porters, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little secret here. So, Yingling. Uh, I'm drinking Yingling right now. I'm a Pennsylvania boy. Um, but Yingling makes a Hershey's chocolate porter, and um, it's delicious. But here's what you do: you get some screwball peanut butter whiskey, and you make yourself a little dessert cocktail. And it's it's like an alcoholic Reese's. Oh, I would love that! And it is so good. So I got this idea from. Um, so we, my wife and I, we went and got drinks um, right after our wedding. Um, and we went back to the place where we went out on our first date. And so they were making these like holiday cocktails cause it was like right before Christmas and they made this for me. And I heard, I had already had like one or two beers and I ordered that drink and I drank it. And I was like, this is so good. And I was like, but if I'm driving home, I'm going to need to sit here and drink some waters for a, a little bit. Cause I am. I am buzzing hard right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's all it's a it's a drink that you can only have one of, like in a night. Okay. But it's so delicious. I will have to give that a try. Yeah, you got to do that. Well, I I mean, so you can get Yingling when you're back in New Jersey. Where are you right now? Oklahoma or New Jersey? I'm in Oklahoma right now. Okay. And no, there is no Yingling in Oklahoma. They're, I have to go back home to Pennsylvania to get it. Yeah, so. they're uh, they're working on. I know that they just like had a partnership. I think with Sam Adams, maybe, so that they can uh, sell Yingling nationwide. Um, oh, that would be wonderful! Everybody needs to experience a Yingling at one time in their life. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean. My fr- my very first beer I ever drank was a Yingling, so um, it nice. hits close to my close to my heart for sure. Um, when I lived in Wisconsin and I would come home to Pennsylvania, I would always bring a case with me back to Wisconsin. So right, yeah. So, what's the best and worst promotion? that you ever came up with or helped facilitate? Okay, so I'm a promotions girl. That's what I do. And what's funny is that in Oklahoma City, they don't have what you call promotions. So when I went to the baseball winter meetings in 2018, I didn't understand what, like, a promotions manager was because I had never experienced promotions. We did mid-inning on-field games, but they were never sponsored really? by anybody. That's that's you know a wild I mean? concept. Yeah, every team does it differently, though. And, you know, Oklahoma City just opted not to take the income of having somebody sponsor a game, which is fine. That's but so crazy, games. considering that <laughs> minor league baseball is like the sport that you whore out everything like everything from like the wi-fi to a seating section to um the name of the press box 
to like the video board like like they they whore out absolutely everything like thirsty thursdays like you know like every literally everything is sponsored and it's crazy to me that oklahoma city was just like nah we're good well and another crazy thing about oklahoma city is they don't do i mean you know you go to a, a minor league baseball game and the whole outfield wall is like sponsors and advertisements yeah. they don't really do that they don't there's eight billboards out in right field of the Oklahoma City Dodger, like Chickasaw Bricktown Ballpark Stadium. Okay. And so, and probably like three to four of those billboards are like Oklahoma City Dodgers social media. Go here to like, here's the website for the tickets. They're, they don't really do a bunch of sponsorship, which to me is a little odd comparatively to the other minor league baseball uh teams and stadiums i've been to well they're owned by mandalay right they used to be but i i i couldn't tell you if they are still now but i know that their half of their ownership is through the la dodgers okay so mandalay which i knew that magic johnson was a part of so i and he's a owner of the Dodgers as well, so I kind of figured like that Oklahoma City was still a part of them, but I'm not sure either. But Mandalay's thought process was like we're not going to have you know, like like I just explained, like um, you know, like PA announcements, like you know, we're not going to sell those for five hundred dollars like we did in Beloit, you know? Um, but like they were going to have like, you know, like 15 to 20 sponsors but they're all going to be big time sponsors of like yeah. 20k or more you, you know yeah. some something like that i don't know but i i know a couple other teams that kind of model after that and it varies on their level of success for sure well it's like the the savannah bananas the like college wood bat team they decided, hey, we're going to get rid of all of our, like, outfield advertisements. And they do such a great marketing job that I think they make money elsewhere. Right. Sponsorship. But it was kind of a big move for them to not do, you know, the outfield advertisement. But as far as promotion goes, promotions go, I mean, there was a time in Asheville... In Asheville, I wasn't able to, like, decide the promotions. They were already set in stone on a contract of we're going to do this for so many years. But there was a time where we did this. It's called the Great Smiles Underwear Race. Okay. And literally last minute, like, one out before we had to go onto the field, one of the kids participating was bawling crying they didn't want to participate and i as the promotions manager did not feel comfortable making them go out there and so my last resort was for me to actually participate in the underwear race and the underwear race is there's these like huge pair of underwear that three kids get in and you know they race around a cone and back and so i raced with these kids and we actually fell mid-race and just wiped out in the middle of the field. But it was my most fun time doing a promotion because I actually got to participate 
instead of being like the on-field host who's just narrating what's happening on the field at that time. That's, that's so funny. So what was the worst promotion that you ever did? I don't know if there's a worse one. I think just in general, the worst promotions are the ones that don't include the crowd. Yeah. If you can't get the crowd's attention, I mean, it's not even worth doing the promotion. Right. Um, Okay. I agree. What's the weirdest message or comment you've received while running a team social media account? (laughs) They're all weird. And I was thinking about this question and I couldn't really pinpoint a specific you know, message or comment that I've received. But when I was in Asheville, I've noted I noticed a certain Twitter user that would always comment on everything we posted and was very active on Twitter. He posted all these things like literally game updates, inning by inning, play by play updates. And his Twitter handle is actually, it's called Not Mr. Moon. So Mr. Moon is the mascot uh, okay. for the Asheville Tourists. And it's a new mascot. The, their main mascot used to be Ted E. Tourist. And it was a bear that carried around a, uh, a suitcase and had a Hawaiian shirt and looked like an actual tourist. Right. But this the tourists rebranded and a lot of the season ticket holders were actually very upset with this rebrand because they introduced the mascot, Mr. Moon. And the thinking behind this was what is the ultimate tourist destination? Well, it's the moon. And so they (laughs) rebranded to be this, you know, Mr. Moon was their new mascot and people were mad. And so one, I thought it was hilarious that, there was this not Mr. Moon character on Twitter. Right. Responding to all of our tweets and things. And then it was my mission for the rest of the season to figure out who ran the account for not Mr. Moon. Because they were clearly at every single game because they tweeted every score, every play that was made with the Asheville tourists. And... (laughs) I finally found out who it was, and I will not reveal who he is. Ooh, dun-dun-dun. But he's a great follow on Twitter. Um, You know, he sells a bunch of... He does the whole, like, trading card thing on Twitter as well. Oh, okay. But that was probably my most fun I've had as a social media manager was not... I mean, everybody gets the tweets, like is the game still on when there's like barely any rain and you right. haven't even pulled the tarp and people are freaking out because they don't know if right. we're having a game or not. But the most interesting, you know, thing being a social media manager was me trying to figure out who this not Mr. Moon character was. That would, that would be intriguing. That's for sure. Did, did a uh, rookie get any weird messages or comments? No, not really. I mean, people just love the rookie bat dog account. Yeah. It's at rookie bat dog if anybody wants to follow. But um yeah, I mean rookie is just a fun time and it's it's almost a challenge as a social media manager to figure out like the voice of rookie. 
Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. You don't want to seem too formal, but you also, at least for me, I didn't want to go like far out there where you're like trying to speak in dog speak and have, you know, words that are misspelled and things like that. That was a big challenge for me um, running the rookie account for sure. Yeah, but but it can I feel like it can only be fun. Like nobody expects it, it to be like too serious. You're right. You can you can just run with the rookie account as opposed to the Trenton Thunder account, especially like being affiliated with the Yankees where you know you need to be more proper and you can't reply in some of the ways you might want to reply that are more fun and right. kind of out there. How good of a boy is Rookie on a scale of 1 to 10? Oh, 100. He's such a good boy. My favorite part about working with the Trenton Thunder, I'd be at my little cubicle, and Rookie would come up to my desk, and he just wanted all the pets. And Man. I don't know. It's just super funny. And with the Trenton Thunder, we actually got a second bat dog, um, and we did a naming contest, Ooh. which was very fun on social media to have people, you know, chime in on names. And we named the new puppy Dash. And Dash will actually be making his debut uh, in 2021 with the MLB Draft League and the Trenton Thunder. And he will be fetching bats along with Rookie as well. Ooh. So I'm excited to see that happen and see Dash in action. And it's so fun just to be in an office and having two dogs at all times, just like and running I, around. I wish there was a dog at my work. That, <laughs> yeah. sounds, that sounds so awesome. So, so clearly Dash was a puppy. They're they're both. Are they golden retrievers or yellow labs? They or, are. Okay, yes. they're golden retrievers. Okay, so so you had to help like. Um, like house train dash and stuff too. A little bit, yeah. There was <laughs> there was one time we actually got it on video um, of Dash pooping in our like kitchen area, like a break area where everyone like warms up their food for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. And it, it was horrible that we all got furloughed in May because we missed, we got to experience Dash in like February and like March. Yeah. And then in in mid-March, we all had to work from home. And so we didn't get to see Dash grow up. And now he's like a big dog. He's as big as Rookie now. Who and does... so that was really sad not seeing, only getting that experience of him as a puppy for just a little while. Right. Who does Rookie and Dash go home with? Uh, they both go home with Eric Lipsman. He, I always get his title wrong. He's like the senior director of like sponsorship and sales. Okay. Um, and he's been around with the Trenton Thunder for a very long time, but they go home with Eric um, okay. and he takes care of the puppies. So Very cool. What an, what an awesome job. I Yeah, like I said, I wish... I wish I worked in an office where there's a dog. That would make the day go way better. Oh, absolutely. Man. Uh, so during your time with the tourists, we alluded this er- to this earlier, um, but all I hear is like good things about like the culture in Asheville, the baseball culture, the breweries, the great people that are there. Um, can you kind of just go into that a little bit? 
Yes, so as we talked about early, Asheville is Beer City. It is, you know, home to so many breweries in Asheville, and they they do have a um, a night where they turn into the Beer City tourists. And I will say, every Thirsty Thursday is a sellout. Every single Ooh, one of them. Nice. It's insane. And, you know, Asheville, North Carolina, there's not, like, there's not any other sports events to go to. And so people fill the stands at the tourist games. It's so much fun. I was lucky enough to uh, get to know a lot of the season ticket holders very well. And there's two, um, they're the Bartlett's. Okay. It's Karen and Gary Bartlett. And they're actually a host family for usually two to three players um each year and so they host them and they have them in their home so i mean being a minor league baseball player a lot of people don't realize they make hardly any money oh yeah uh, whatsoever and so it's nice to have a host family there so they don't have to pay rent um and karen and gary are great and they actually kind of adopted me as their first daughter you know they call the players their their sons because they don't have kids themselves right um but they kind of took me under their wing and took care of me uh karen was kind enough she bakes brownies and she would bring me brownies uh oh. every game she would sneak them in through security you're not supposed to bring food in but she would sneak them in and bring me brownies and right. i actually became very good friends with them and i went on vacation with them last summer to uh or last november uh to their little condo they have out in florida nice it's amazing with minor league baseball the relationships you can create not just with other um workers and employees from the other teams that you meet while you're working in baseball, but also the season ticket holders. The season oh, ticket yeah. holders are incredible. Um, and I love them. And I just have so much appreciation working for the Asheville tourists and for the season ticket holders that were there that continue to be my friends. And I'm still in contact with, even though I've moved on from the tourists. That's so awesome. I real like I've never been to Asheville, but I really want to go. Um, you do. I, I do. I'm a, obviously a big beer guy, and I hear that they have deep fried moon pies there. They uh, do. <laughs> so that's got to happen too. Um, man. So so sh- I'm going to give you the chance to shout out your favorite brewery from Asheville. Oh my gosh, this is so hard. There's so many of them that I love so much. Um, probably Twin Leaf. Twin Leaf is my favorite. I frequented there a lot. Okay. Uh, Twin Leaf Brewery. But... What's What's and your favorite cool beer about... on the menu? Oh, I couldn't tell you. I I always tried the rotators out. You know the special ones that they would. Oh uh, yeah, the seasonal the, ones. Uh, seasonal ones but the cool thing about going to Asheville tourist games is that they have local beer on tap on thirsty thursdays that's awesome and for every game for you to experience the the different beers right there in Asheville that is awesome yeah I definitely want to get up to Asheville or down to Asheville I should say um 
And so I was looking, like I said, I don't, I don't creep when I research, I deep dive. Um, and I was looking at your Instagram, which there's hardly any posts on, um, but I was looking at, you know, cause we have mutual followers and, um, so you all, so Will DeBoer and Adrian Gonzalez also follow you. And, uh, I was just wondering about your relationship with, with them and how that came to be. I'm assuming it was when they came to Asheville, um, when the shorebirds yeah. came to play, but, um, tell me, tell me about your relationship with them. Oh my gosh, they are both just amazing people. Uh, you know, the thing about me being the promotions manager with the Asheville Tourists, I was on field all the time. And so that's why I met Adrian with him being the strength and conditioning coach. And then I was always in uh, the press box, which is how I met Will. And, and just that's the amazing thing about minor league baseball is you make these relationships with other people. Uh, from other teams and I mean you make these friendships that you know are long lasting oh yeah um so I still see Will from time to time because I only live 30 minutes away from uh Salisbury where the Shorebirds uh stadium is and Will just got engaged um and he uh, actually took a assistant um, athletic director position or assistant sports information director position at Salisbury University. Um, they're D three, so he got he got out of baseball as well, but still in the sports world. Um, so that's exciting for him. And um, Adrian was a guest on this podcast. Uh, I don't remember what episode, but I think he was in like the first like 20 or 25 episodes. Um, and so he's going back to school, um, to, to get another, um, you know, certificate or, you know, something like that. Um, so he's out of baseball for a little bit. He may get back in. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're both doing well. And uh, they're both friends of the program and friends of mine, and I certainly liked working with them on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, baseball is a small world. Uh, I believe Adrian actually is up in the New York area, too, so he's close. I want to say he lives in Queens or somewhere near New York. Yeah, I... Um, but yeah, he's, uh, he's doing well. Um, but yeah, Adrian always used to be the go-between, um, for players that needed to change their walk-up songs. Um, (laughs) and, and I was that dude. I was the dude that did the walk-up songs. So, um, Adrian and I, uh, communicated about walk-up songs a lot. (laughs) Um, but so, where can the listeners find you on social media, Brady? So, I am both now on Instagram and Twitter at IceIceBrady28. Love it. Love speaking it. Speaking of songs. <laughs> and then, speaking of songs, you've listened to some episodes, clearly. 
What has been your favorite walk-up or warm-up song in your baseball career, and whose was it? Well, so uh, warm-up songs, I actually have a playlist on my, like, Apple Music from each season with all of, like, the warm-up playlists that we would play. Nice. Uh, I made myself. But I think probably my favorite walk-up song was Austin Barnes. And Austin Barnes, he played for the Oklahoma City Dodgers. He's a catcher, and now he's the catcher. And, may I add, World Series champion catcher for the L.A. Dodgers. Nice. Um, But the song was, It's What a Year by Big Sean. Ooh, that's a good one. It's a great song, and... I was always excited to hear his walk-up song. And then, of course, in Asheville, um, it's always funny. Whoever's running the walk-up songs, sometimes they don't end them soon enough, and yep. you might hear a bad word. Yeah. <laughs> that That's and happened so, in my career uh, a few times. Let's just say that. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it has. But Willie MacGyver... Um, his walk-up song was Transportin' by Kodak Black. Ooh. And there were, it has a really good intro, and that was, like, his walk-up was, like, just kind of the instrumental. But there were a few times where the DJ let it go a little too long, and it may have been a little inappropriate for, like, the young ears in the crowd. But those are my probably top two favorite okay. uh, walk-up songs okay. that I've heard in my career. Well, uh, I'll add them to the Pulling Tarp podcast walk-up playlist on Spotify. Um, there's some real bangers on there. Let's just say that. Uh, with, I'll have to take a listen. Yeah. Um, so, so subscribe, listen to that, folks. If you want to hear the best walk-up songs in minor league baseball, according to the Pulling Tarp podcast guests, um, and I and I'll close out with a story about me meeting Big Sean. Uh, so I was the quote unquote hip hop director of the campus radio station um, at Slippery Rock University, and so basically we played a lot of like rock, um, but. I don't. I don't even know why it was a position, honestly. But I. I did it um, because I was the only one that was like in the radio station, like organization that listened to hip hop. So, okay. and we had a lot of hip hop artists come and like do shows at our university. So I always got the backstage passes and got to meet um, the artists and stuff like that. And Big Sean was one of those artists, and. Um, he is a super cool guy, um, but he is not big whatsoever. He is like, he's probably like five four maybe, and like a hundred and twenty pounds soaking wet. Like he is a small little man, um, but he's he's so cool. He's down to earth, um, and you know he he gave a great interview and he did like you know one of those cool like. Hey yo, this is Big Sean, and you're listening to WSRU, the voice of the rock. Like, so, so that was pretty cool. Um, we got to play that on the station, but and I got a picture with him. Uh, you can probably find it on my 
Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or something. I don't I don't know, but uh, yeah, it's it's out there on the internet somewhere. But um, that's my Big Sean story. Nice. I wish I met Big Sean. He's a great listen for sure. Yeah, especially for a walk up song. Yeah, he puts out bangers for sure. Well, thank you so much, Brady, for taking the time out of your evening and having a few beers with me and, uh, you know, talking minor league baseball and swapping stories. And uh, it was a great time. And this is going to be a great listen. And again, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I was so excited to do this and to meet you finally face to face and not just on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, I really appreciate it, and I will be listening to all your upcoming episodes. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, boys. Look. All I got to say is, what a year, what a year. I decided now that every year's our year. Oh, yeah, man, that's till we disappear. Focused on the near, never what's in the rear. Recently, I swear, man, we had so many accolades. I realize I ain't sat down, not even on a Saturday. Yeah, I'm going overtime, OT, like it's TNT in South America. Rockin' Rio with Riri, you know that's stadium status. When you started underground, you gotta make it to the attic. So I'm up in attic focus. Money is the only time I ADD. Going off more than ADT. Making power moves like back four, punch, kick, ABB. Boy, this shit, ABC. Shout out detail. 7-Eleven, we on a roll. I'm on a six record off the album going gold. You've listened to the Pulling Tarp Podcast, distributed by Stove Lake Media. Make sure you check out our page at StoveLeg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stove Leg Media, igniting conversation.